0: Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. So today is a continuation of yesterday's Mishnah, but like I, I said, that I would um, I bring everybody back up to speed and put us back in the place that we were to finish discussing the Mishnah. So Rabbi Gamliel says, Rabbi Gamliel benosha Rabbi Yehuda, Han-Nasi Oimer, Yafet Talmud Torah im that Talmud which is learning Torah is yafid's good with Derech Derrehertz here, um, as we mentioned, means a livelihood., because as long as you're involved in both things, as long as you are involved in both the learning of Torah and in the making of a parnasa and the making of a livelihood, so then Yigiyashne and being involved in both of them is going to push away transgression.. And any Torah that doesn't have with it milacha, and here an interesting change in the Mishnah, that the word was derecheretz. now the Mishnah is using the word milacha, but it means also that any Torah that doesn't have work with it, so for betela in the end it is going to be, um, it is going to be nullified, vigoreris avon, and it is going to cause sin. The person, the person himself is going to be um, battle, and his Torah is going to be lost, and it's going to, he's going to end up in a life of transgression. And then the third piece of advice, or the second piece of advice, according to most commentaries, that anybody who is omel, anybody who works with the tzibur, who works with the congregation, has to work with the congregation, the shame shamayim, for the sake of heaven. And that because the merit of their forefathers is standing on their side and the righteousness is enduring forever. And I will count it for you. Socher har great reward as if you have done it. As I said yesterday, it didn't change between yesterday and today. No part of this Mishnah makes sense on its surface. I'm just going to quickly go through the questions. Give us the principle and then we'll work on the application again. So, we know that the Torah requires a parnasa, and that it seems that if you are, um, that if you're if you're working and learning, then that's fine. But if you are only um, learning, so then in the end, what's going to happen is that you are you're going to lose your Torah, and you are going to mishkachasav, and you're going to end up with a life of sin. So we ask the question, why would you end up in a life of sin? We're talking about a person learning Torah. If a person is impoverished and they're learning Torah, so then the natural outcome of that would be go get a job. Or it would be to go beg. But it's certainly not going to be, the, the, the natural lead-in is not going to be go and steal, go, go into a life of robbery. So why would the Mishnah say that automatically you're going to end up into a life of robbery? You're going to be impoverished. Okay, we understand. You're going to be in difficult straits. But why automatically assume you're going to a life of poverty? Second problem that we had was that, um, was that we say that um, we changed the word from, again, as we mentioned, from derecheretz to melacha. We also had a problem of exactly what is derecheretz. Then we we had a problem also with you telling me that I have to work for the community. And then when you tell me that I have to work for the community, you tell me I have to do it for the sake of heaven. But everything I do has to be for the sake of heaven. Why specifically does working for the community have to be for the sake of heaven? So, you know, jokingly, we would say, because there's no other motivation. You know, you don't get much out of it. You don't get a lot of COVID. You don't get a lot of help. You don't get a lot of, you know, a lot of support. So working for the community is a difficult job. Okay, I understand that. And I, and I appreciate that. But But why would it specifically have to say in the Mishnah that you have to do it for the sake of heaven when everything we do has to be for the sake of heaven? And then the Mishnah says, why do you have to do it for the sake of heaven? Because the community has its own merits and those merits are going to stand by the community. I don't know, why would that matter? I don't understand. I don't understand what the Mishnah is saying to me. That work for the community for the sake of heaven because the community has merits from from its forefathers, merits from its past, and, and therefore what? So wh- why does that obligate me or obviate that I should be working for them for the sake of heaven? Okay, and then we, we worried what does the first half of the Mishnah have to do with the second half of the Mishnah? The first half of the Mishnah is telling us get a job, learn Torah, get a job be part of the world and then the second half of the Mishnah is telling me when you work for the community you have to work for the community for the sake of heaven What does one have to do with the other? Okay we then laid down a principle and we said that when God, why did God create the world? We said that the reason that God created the world is because God wanted to be mate of He wanted to do good for others because that is what goodness is. Goodness is not self-contained. It can't be self-contained by definition. If a person is a selfish person or a person is even not selfish, but they're not an, a giving person, then by definition, there is a chisaron. there's something missing in their goodness. Because the word goodness, the word taiv, means to be mative. Part of its definition is that it's not only that it it desires goodness, a good person desires also to give its goodness over to others. And if that's the case, so then when we talk about God, in terms of God being a mative lazulas, God wanted to give to others, that is an inherent part of God. But in order to be able to give, God wanted to make sure that we didn't end up with what was called Nahama dikisufa, bread of shame. When you receive something for nothing, it is embarrassing. It is, and it is worthless in your eyes. It does not have the same value for things that you worked for. Small, pitchforkest, little, tiny things that you worked for have, an, have a value far beyond their intrinsic value. They have a value greater than many things that are actually much more expensive. Because you know the efforts you put into it, you know what you had to do in order to be able to create that. If that's the case, though, if God created a world <clears throat> where kindness was the rule, where he wanted to be kind to us, then why did he create a world of din? Why did he create a world of judgment? When we see God in the beginning of Breshas, we see Bracious bara Elohim. Elohim is the name of God of justice, black and white. That was the way the world was supposed to be. We only see Adonai Elohim. We only see the name yud Vavhe, which is God's name of kindness, God's attribute of kindness. We only see that later in the second chapter of Genesis when God gives us the details of the creation of man. Until that point, every, every time God is mentioned in the first chapter of Genesis, it's Elohim. By the way, just to tell you, the biblical critics look at that and say that that's the evidence of two authors of Genesis. One is the Elohim document and one is the Adonai document because they're different names of God. They have the same problem that we do. They have the same question. The way they address the question is, is that there are two names of God because there are two gods. It's God incorporated. By us, we say there's only one God, and that is one God with two attributes. But that begs our question. If God was creating a world of kindness, if he created a world in order to be able to be kind to the world, to give to the world, we have native Lizulat, then please explain to me why is the world a world of Din? Why did God decide originally to build it on judgment, on justice, on black and white, and only later to mitigate that justice with Kindness, with Mira ha So we had said that the greatest favor that God did for us was that we didn't get something for nothing, and that there is a system of justice, that we have to deserve the things that we receive, because if not, then it would not be kindness. It would be a handout. Handouts are never good. The greatest feeling that we spoke about, the greatest feeling for a, for a human being is becoming independent. You remember when you were able to become independent, not cut off from your parents, but independent of your parents. You had your own parnasa. You were going you, you were going to school. You were, made, you were, you were creating a parnasa. You started to work. You started to to move out of the nest a little bit. There was a tremendously great feeling of independence. God's kindness is what motivated his creation. But his greatest kindness is to let us earn our place inside of that creation is to allow us to earn our existence. And the only way to do that is to be judged, is to know that what we do matters and that we're held accountable for the things that we do. And therefore, the, the, the din, the justice of God is really ultimately part of his Chesed, it's ultimately part of his kindness to us, so that we can operate in that world and that we can justify our existence, and we can we, we, we can we, we we can we can justify our existence. Okay, once now originally when we were placed in the Garden of Eden, we were placed in the Garden of Eden of the to guard it and to work it guarding it and working it were the things that we had to do to justify our existence. We didn't just get dropped into the garden of Eden, like in the four seasons hotel and, you know, get, get dropped in the middle of the, of the most lush place and just sit around and la la it's We, we, on the uh, you know, we have this vision of Adam Mauritian walking around, you know, a knock at a bench running around, you know, garden of Eden with his, with, with his wife and you know, everything was great. Wow. You know, the music's playing in the background. It's like, that's not the way it was. He was put there with a responsibility now granted he, it wasn't necessarily an arduous responsibility but he had a responsibility he had to justify his existence to keep the rules of the garden and to work the garden and he failed and when he failed he was tossed out of the garden once we sinned, though we no longer had a justification for our existence this is a critical point. When God put us into the Garden of Eden, he said, okay, good. Now I got to give you something to justify your existence. Now, it doesn't have to be a very, very hard or arduous litmus test, but you got to have it. You got to love the Lushama. You got to work it. You got to guard it. And as soon as we failed, we no longer justified our existence in the garden. And now God had a switch. Turns to Adam and he says to Adam, after we ate from the tree, he says, Adam, your life now is going to be about by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat your bread. We talked the other day about the snake's punishment, that the snake got to eat everything that was in front of it. Seems a little bit unfair. The snake gets to have lunch wherever, it's, wherever it stops. Right? It, 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 gets, it has a rest stop with it wherever it goes. It gets its food wherever. We, human being, he's got a schwitz. He's got to work hard by the sweat of his brow, he eats his bread. That was, again, the greatest gift that God gave us. It wasn't a punishment per se, it was actually a gift because now we could justify our existence. We had a way to make ourselves meaningful by doing and taking care of ourselves, providing for ourselves, planting the ground, reaping from the ground, watching it grow. All of that was part of, of justifying our existence and we work to get what we deserve. Okay, let's take a look at the Mishnah. Yoffe Talmud Torah Im We were worried about the word Yoffe, that it's nice. It's nice to have a job? Or it's obligatory to have a job? Why are we saying Yoffe Talmud Torah Im when Talmud Torah has Derech with it? Because earning a living and learning Torah Helps me justify my existence and deserve my place in life. That's why the Mishnah goes on to say, "Torah Sha'in imam melacha." Any Torah that doesn't have melacha with it, then I don't, I don't need, I don't need to justify my existence. The, a person, if a person is not is not taking care of himself, a person's not working. Then ultimately, what a person is saying is is that I don't need to justify my existence. The world owes me. The world owes me. Now, I need to stop here for one second. I need to clarify something very important. Very important, which separates a lot of our world in the Torah world. When we say a livelihood, a livelihood means a way of making a parnasa. Now, your Torah could be your way of making a parnasa you could be a rav you could be a teacher to um umnaso you could be learning and and being supported in a yesacher zvulun type of or, type of arrangement which is where one works one learns and that's an arrangement that is provided for according to many in the torah that's where you're justifying your existence because you have torah and derech haretz derech doesn't necessarily mean computers means, and that's why the Mishnah switches to Melacha, because it's, it just has to be something productive. It has to be something that is taking care of you and providing for you. There is no dictate of how much you have to make. There is, no, there is no amount that you have to live by, whatever it is you need to live by, whatever Melacha you need to do. And again, your Melacha could be your Torah. But it has to be you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to justify your existence. A person who leaves go, his melacha, his derecheretz, is ultimately a person that's saying, I don't need to justify my existence. I'm here. I'm learning. I'm doing my thing. I don't need to find my place in this world. I don't need to hew out or by the sweat of your brow you will eat bread. I don't need to do that. Such a person is a taker. A taker is only steps away from thievery. Because when life is always about me, when life is always about what I can receive, what I can take, I might start with taking what, what is legal, but it can easily end up in taking even that which doesn't belong to me. Because we look at what is the though, what is the characteristic of the, of the person? The characteristic is the characteristic of a taker. A taker is not just a nudnik. A taker is, an, is a dangerous Characteristic if a person is a taker in life, it never just stays in one arena that always spreads out and that's what Yudanasi is telling us he's telling us that what happens when a person is when a person doesn't have both things, so then what happens is avon, that working in both of them is going to make sure that you're not going to go into transgression i e as rashi said robbery. Because you, if you don't have Yigiyah Shneim, then you become a taker. A taker can easily get to robbery. And again, that's why the Mishnah switches from, from the word Derecharetz um, to the word Melacha, because Derecharetz implies a real a job, whereas Melacha implies something productive. And that, again, could be Torah um, minaso, that your Torah becomes your livelihood there's another way to justify my existence the other way to justify my existence is to give myself over to my community is to work for other people to work for the community to be a Rav to be a, 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 a Parnas, to be a Gabai and I don't mean that necessarily in its, in, its, in its tightly defined sense but in other words, somebody who's a communal worker so, I don't mean necessarily a professional communal worker, but somebody who gives himself over to their community, organizes things, takes care of things through the community, worries about other people, a person who is given over to their community, given over to communal life. And that's also a way of justifying our existence. But you have to know something the community doesn't need that person to do things for it so that it succeeds. A community has its own zechusim. A community has its own merits. It has chosavots. It has the merits of the forefathers. My work produces results. My isek, my involvement with the tzibor is really not producing results. Because Tsibur has a power to be successful without an individual having to give over to it. I have no success if I don't work. If I don't put my efforts into the things that I do, I have no personal success. But a community has success. It's guaranteed success. The power of a community, the davening of a community, the efforts of a community are never overlooked. There are so many things that the, that the Talmud teaches us about when a community gathers together to daven, the power that a community has. When a community gathers together in a chesed, and a kindness, the power a community has. A community can accomplish things that an individual can't. But a person who's working for the community could look at it and say, then, then why do I need to organize this? Why do I need to put my energy into this? Because what, why... why why am I, how am I justifying my existence? And that's why the Mishnah reminds me that if you're going to work for the community, if that's where you're going to put your efforts, then do it L'Shem Shamayim. Do it for the sake of heaven. Do it for the sake of you being a conduit, that God is going to bring this into the world, whether you're there, whether you're not there, but you're doing it for the sake of heaven, you're doing it for the sake of being a conduit. And that justifies Your existence. And God will consider it as if you actually accomplished these things. As if you're the one who really organized and you're the one who really accomplished and you're the one who really did it. At the end of the day, it's the power of the community, but somebody needed to organize that, and that was you, and that's great. How do you justify your existence, though, when you're not really doing anything? Do it because you're doing it for God. And when you do it for God, when you do it strictly because of the good that's involved in it, not because of what it's going to accomplish, but because somebody needs to do this and you've dedicated yourself to that, then that is as if you did it and accomplished everything. And that is justifying your existence. And if that's the case, what Rabban Gamliel, B'nai Rabbi Yehuda Anasi is teaching us, that you need to justify your existence. You need to make yourself a worthwhile human being. You need to be productive in this world. Productivity does not mean money. Productivity does not mean fame and fortune. Productivity means doing something purposeful. And that's why I'm here. Each one of us has a different reason why we're here. Every one of us, though, has to find that productivity, has to find that purpose, and that justifies my existence. You know, Rosh Hashanah, when we stand in front of God, what are we doing on Rosh Hashanah? We mentioned the other day that we're not saying we're sorry. We're not asking God to forgive us. That's not Rosh Hashanah. That's Yom Kippur. That's Yom Kippur. What are we doing on Rosh Hashanah? Spending most of the day in synagogue. I don't know about the synagogues you dive in, but where I come from, we spent most of the day in synagogue. What, what's the purpose? What am I doing? Blowing shofar, davening, speaking about God. I am justifying my existence. I'm standing in front of God and saying that I matter. I mean something. My life is not just about me. My life is not just about my pleasure. I have a purpose to my existence. And my purpose to my existence is you, God. That's what defines my purpose. God looks at us and says, oh, Taka, there's a reason for you to be around. And then he gives us that next year, or the next week, or the next month, whatever amount of time he allots us. But it's based on our justification of our existence. For a person to feel purposeful, for a person to feel accomplished, they have to feel that there is a reason why they are existing. It could be small. It could be what would seem from the outside as something insignificant. But it nevertheless is a justification for why we were created. Clearly, in the time of Raman Gamliel, the son of Abhuda Nasi, people didn't understand what, they, what their role was, what their place in the world was, why they needed or how they needed to justify their existence. Comes along Rabbi Gamliel and says, Justify your existence by doing something, learning, working, supporting yourself, feeling a sense of meaning. And I'll tell you, there's an amazing word that's used in the Mishnah Yegiyas Shneiyam, Mishkachas Avon. You know what Yegiyas means? Working hard in both of them. Working hard in Torah and working hard in the world. You know, whatever we do, we have to pour ourselves into it in order to be successful. Doing things, anything, with the back of our hand, that accomplishes nothing. Torah with the back of our hand doesn't get us where we need to get to. Working with the back of our hand doesn't get us where we need to get to. But when we are a person who, who takes a responsibility and it manifests itself both in Torah and in the world, that's when it's mishkachas ha That's when it pushes away transgression because then it's not about me. It's about the thing. It's about excelling. It's about doing something, justifying, looking for meaning, finding a purpose. And then it becomes something powerful. And that's what Rabbi Gamliel was trying to do to his generation. He was trying to ennoble them, to empower them, that their work and their effort was critical because what it was doing, it was justifying their existence in this world. Okay. That's my, that's my vision of, uh, of this Mishnah.